sit down and listen. Hello and welcome back to the Table 5 Podcast, where we handle the mess no one else can deal with. I am your host, Lyric, and... This time, instead of my co-host Josh being with me, it is the lovely Tavernier, Jeff. Uh, yeah, and I am lovely as a parent on radio. <laughs> well, your voice is very lovely. I and do a have lot a face people, for radio. A lot of people could agree that your your voice is very lovely. I'm so, gorgeous. Today, we are going to be talking about the topic of metagaming. As you know, or may not know, if this is your first time tuning in, which, hello, um... <laughs> We at the Tavern do not put up with metagaming. It's not a very... Now, you're just saying that because you want me to not do that, right? You want me to go in that other room instead. That's exactly it, is the example. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We at the Tavern dislike metagaming to a fault. Um, It's something that we've experienced quite a lot, and we want to really delve into the topic... And really get the... It's more specifically what to do when your players actually do the metagaming. Um, Mm. Not so much the metagaming itself. So we're going to be talking about how to handle that situation. How to discourage it? Yeah. Yeah. How to discourage it. How to uh, warn others from not... For doing it. Do not Mm -hmm. do it. Um, how to, for lack of better words, punish the player who is doing it notoriously. And I say that very specifically because a lot of people don't actually realize that they are metagaming. Um, they don't know what metagaming is. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That is, that is really a really good point. Really, really, really. (laughs) (laughs) It's a, it's a very good point, uh, that, that a lot of people don't even, uh, understand is, uh, they, they don't understand that it's bad. Right. Because they don't know what it is. They don't know that it is even a thing. Exactly. Um, The group that they end up playing with, it really depends on how they themselves are built as a role player. Mm -hmm. And um, if you do that at a very young age, it's actually, I think, easier to avoid metagaming because Mm -hmm. a younger mind is more accepting to, say, uh, play pretend or something like that. Um, that is true, yes. An older person, I'm saying older as in like 20s. Um, <laughs> God. I, okay, I'm, I'm saying older because I'm talking like from personal experience. I'm a cowboy. <laughs> <laughs> um, when I got people into gaming at a very early age, when I was in my teens, they were more comfortable with getting the metagaming out of the way. They realized that it was weird for mm-hmm. them to do it, so they stopped. Um, when I game with people now, um, which is lesser and lesser in happening, um, they, they seem to be less likely to get into the game as much as they need to. Mm. Um, they they don't actually have the personality of someone who, like they don't they don't understand what metagaming is, so mm. they do it quite frequently. Do you think that has anything to do with the the proliferation and prevalence of MMOs and online? It might actually, um, because as a, a character being played on the computer versus being played on paper, um, you don't have to think about any of the character's personality or any of the experiences that the character has. All you're thinking about is the statistics of the video game. And right. The, and one thing that, that irritates me to no end, 
is uh, when players, uh, you know, you, you watch, and, and I can't stand to watch it because I, I'm not a sports guy. I don't like sports much. And they have reduced most um, competitive MMOs into uh, sportscaster type, um, you know, events like, uh, like uh, uh, StarCraft two has become, you know, it's just become a sporting event and I hate it because they say, Oh, he got out his, uh, his, uh, VCRs or whatever they got. <laughs> he, he got out his, uh, his Terran bunkers too soon. He's in trouble now, you know, and they, they try and make it into an exciting, uh, sporting event. And that completely metas it. Whereas when I was playing the game, I was, you know, inventing little cinematics in my head and I was doing I was playing pretend it was a, a real time strategy. I think metagaming in that sense mm. is developed to include a wider audience. Oh yeah, sure. Um sure. so unfortunately it also excludes the audience that it already has. Oh, yeah. that's a problem that is kind of a, a thing mm-hmm. when it comes to a person trying to widen the audience is that they usually neglect the audience they already have. And that right. is something that happens a lot with, I'm not going to get into this topic, but it happens a lot with like adding um, uh, feminist stuff. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Feminism is fine, mm-hmm. but uh, a lot of the time when they try to add almost like in your face feminism things, yeah, I hate preachy. It's, it, it kind of bogs down... Um, what is already there and actually sometimes it backfires mm-hmm. so yeah like, anytime anytime a, a game or anything like that gets too preachy about anything honestly i mean it can be feminism it can be chauvinism it can be anything right you know anything political left wing right wing mm. middle of the bird beak. anything dealing with like morality yeah anything like that uh i don't think that has a place because well, I mean, morality as a, a, a well, thing. It's... But see, that's the that's the thing about it is morality is up to the role player, right? To to either invent or to uphold, or uh, it's it's within their self. I mean, that's why they're role playing because they're they're taking a situation that is neither good nor bad nor evil, uh, and you know, uh, judging it like you know. You see, uh, you you happen across a, a wagon of uh, a family of homesteaders uh, in a in a fantasy setting, uh, tr- going out and being attacked by a group of gnolls. You know, now you can wait until the gnolls kill them and kill the gnolls and loot the whole shebang, or you can try and defeat the gnolls mm-hmm. and save the people, or you can ignore the ignore entire the thing. entire thing and say, "Nope, those be gnolls." <laughs> I don't like gnolls. And uh Or you could wait until the travelers kill the gnolls and say that you were I don't know, you didn't even see the gnolls, that they just you're just benefiting from travelers because they're big and beefy and they can protect you. Well yeah, yeah. So all of that morality is at the behest of the players and it's not and and that's where that's where metagaming metagaming <laughs> metagaming comes in to uh, to the dungeon master's side because I've known plenty of dungeon masters who um, if you don't do things 
in the it, with their morals in mind, you as the player are punished, and your right. characters are punished. Um, I even had a situation where I was playing, and I was dungeon mastering. It was a D twenty modern game, and it was a, a situation of the real world mm. where. Uh, a friend of mine was spoken to by his sensei and someone killed the sensei while he was talking to him to, uh, as the hook, you know, he was assassinated because he was secretly, he was a martial arts master who was working for the military, but he was also doing something in secret, blah, 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 got, got this guy involved because he was, a he was a witness and they tried to kill him and. They couldn't, and then he had to go figure out who killed his sensei and get even, which was fine, and it, it was a you know it was a fun game. But the next time the friend dungeon mastered, uh, he destroyed my character's kingdom and salted the earth with uh, orange dragons that breathe uh, sulfurous salt mm-hmm. and, uh, brought him in, summoned them up from hell and he came in and it destroyed my kingdom and attacked and, and, and ousted my character out of the kingdom and, you know, basically lost everything. Right. And I'm like, wow, that was, that was amazingly harsh, dude. I said, I, I, I had no chance because I don't metagame. Mm-hmm. And he said, well, you know, that's what happens when you kill my sensei. Okay, so I think <laughs> that bit of information, um, I say information, um, that bit of just story mm-hmm. uh, made me have like this kind of epiphany um, mm-hmm. that the characters, and this is really shows up when you like do a round robin with dungeon mastering, uh-huh. um, the characters that metagame think they're playing against the DM. Right. Um, and I explained this in one of my beginner's videos that you can check out on our YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. Um, that the DM is the game. You're not trying to beat it. You're trying to play it. Yeah. So the DM is the world around you. And mm-hmm. like he, for example, um, he is your eyes and ears into the world of fantasy. And is telling you what's going on. So it's not that you're... Tr- when a person, when a player, thinks that the DM is picking on them, in reality, they're trying to kill the messenger. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because it's not the DM's yeah. fault. I mean, sometimes it is. It depends on the DM. But mm-hmm. from the came, from the gamer's perspective, from the character's perspective, mm-hmm. it's not the DM's fault that your character ended up dead or... or is an idiot. Or <laughs> is an idiot, made bad choices, whatever. Right, right. Um, it's the DM. The DM is just saying, "This is what happens to your character in the situation. It could have been someone else in the situation, but it was your character, and this is what happens when mm-hmm. it's your character." So, uh, that's a good DM. A bad DM would probably, you know, think along the same lines as the other people in that campaign, but in that, you know, they're against each other. So that is kind of my two cents about mm-hmm. the whole topic of yeah. like metagaming as a self mm-hmm. um, how to avoid it is to think of it as the DM is creating the video game that you're playing and uh, sometimes as you go right and in those video games those happenstances are random and by choice um, very seldomly so you can 
think of it like that, and it probably help you out a lot more to avoid metagaming, is to think that the DM is not doing it to purposely punish you. Um, because I think if the DM does that, it's not cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and inversely, or perhaps conversely, uh, a dungeon master is not there to show everybody how clever he is. Right. Uh, uh, not there to prove that he can he can outthink all his players. Um, a dungeon master has the power to tell a player, oh, your character just contracted a pretty serious case of brain death. <laughs> <laughs> and and it is so. And it is because that is the dungeon master's power. Given that ultimate power, uh, it, it boggles my mind that, that some dun- dungeon masters are there just to prove how, pow- oh, well, a bigger dragon appears. And they kill it, and yet a bigger dragon. And it's like... Who, who are you trying to... What are you trying to prove and to whom? Right. You know, because you already have ultimate power. You just say they're dead. If you want them to die, just freaking kill them. I have a... Okay, I have a good example of dungeon mastering and a bad example of dungeon mastering. A good example is you. And in that particular instance, it was when we were playing the Saints campaign. Mm-hmm. And we were fighting on a ziggurat. Mm-hmm. And there was a big red dragon. Big red dragon. <laughs> At the very top. Yep. With a mind flare who had summoned it. Um, which, that was a dick move, but... (laughs) (laughs) Mindfuckers like, Harvey! (laughs) Um, it was very important for the conquest of the saints that they had to defeat a mind flare and a red dragon, because, um, for those who don't know, which is pretty much everybody in the entire world, um, (laughs) the saints campaign was a group of people who had to defeat a very Herculean style of... Sure, yeah. uh, I would say Herculean. Herculean? Whatever. Um, (laughs) (laughs) On paper, it's the same thing. Yeah, it is. It depends Um, on if you're in the the Caribbean or the Caribbean, eating a tomato. (laughs) (laughs) Um, A Herculean, I'm just going to say how I'm going to say it, uh, type of trials, and they had to get that way in order to achieve godliness. Um... So, the of those, it was very st- stereotypical monsters in D&D. Mind Flare, uh, Beholder, mm-hmm. a dragon, kobold, trolls, so on and so forth. Orcs, vampires, um, mummies. And we faced the Mind Flare and the dragon right after the Hydra. <laughs> <laughs> so, it was a giant yeah. battle because we weren't the only people on this, this conquest. Um, so it was like us against another saints campaign, against a dragon, against a pair of just random karate girls that Akaban had to fix. <laughs> wow. Um, about them. and the DM put us in the situation. We were high enough level to at least deal with half of the problem. <laughs> <laughs> and the paladin of our group was named Kelsian and he one shot at the dragon uh, this sounds very unlikely, but we had the Crinonomicon. She rolled for it, uh, rolled for it three times because yeah. she had to roll the initial roll for the attack, which was a 20. Then she had to roll a double 20 for an instant kill, which is a rule, a house rule in the Dwarven Tavern. Um, and then we rolled the third roll to see if the Mind Flare would resurrect it, which it could not. So, and then the placement of it was right in the chest. So, like, Kelsian worships Paylor, so by the power of Paylor! <laughs> and the dragon was down. And you didn't do 
anything about that. The dragon right. was dead, yeah. and that was the challenge. That's all we had to do. You yeah. didn't like get upset that you had we'd one shotted a fucking dragon. Right, right, exactly. Um, yeah. You didn't like take it out on us the next campaign. You didn't like that's just what happened. And yeah, I didn't. I didn't uh, quote unquote punish you for. Killing, quote unquote, my dragon. Right, right. <laughs> dragon was not. It was not. It didn't. I didn't have to pay any rent <laughs> for said dragon. Uh, I didn't lose a deposit or anything. Right. You know. It was, um, yeah. and I think the biggest. That's the biggest part of that is that you may have had this giant, horrendous battle planned out for us, and mm. it might have been disappointing for you that it didn't happen that way. But it, we still left that scenario mind-boggled with stories to tell. Yeah. So yeah. it's not like when the thing happens, the DM is at a loss. It's just the DM may have, you know, gone to these extra lengths, and that's fine. It just shows that the DM is good at what he does when he does, you know, all mm. the extra work. Um, but I understand that it can be disappointing when all the extra work is well, avoided. <laughs> um, it it is, but in my in my campaigns, I don't care how much work I have to do to uh, make something happen because um, there was a, just as a short example, there was a, a dungeon that uh, it was an entire five level dungeon that was hidden behind a. Uh, secret door. Mm -hmm. That was the only entrance to it. And uh, this was, we were playing, we were gaming back in the 80s. And uh, the, uh, the party that was there, they missed the secret door. So, guess what? They didn't find the fifth level, the five level dungeon. And I just, I just put the folder away. And it's still in my folder somewhere, unplayed. Um, and I worked you know, of course, I worked for hours and hours on it. And yeah. This was before the the age of campaign cartographer <laughs> and all the computer stuff. It was all hand done. So, and uh, yeah, I was a little disappointed, but it didn't it didn't tick me off because you know if I'd wanted them to find it that bad, I would have made a easier way to find it. So right. they just walked right past it. They didn't get any of the benefits or suffer from any of the hazards. Right. I had a moment like that too, where I had planned out this giant battle between fish folk and the warriors of the kingdom. <laughs> I remember that. Yeah, you were in that campaign. And you, actually, as the new <laughs> king, went over... Oh, you! it was you and Niven, mm -hmm. who was Josh's character, went over and both charismaed at them. Um, hey, guys. <laughs> <laughs> you talked the the orc overlord out of his attack, and then Niven mind-boggled. He used his mm -hmm. psionics against the fish folk, completely destroyed that entire battle with words and wisdom. Yep, yep. And I, as a DM, felt so demolished. <laughs> I was so butthurt over that. Oh, for... We didn't play for a while, which is probably fine. <laughs> <laughs> I'm fine. You just won. I was just... I was, I was hoping for really... And I... I get this. This is probably what a lot of people feel, is that they were hoping for this giant, memorable battle Epic that they could thing. talk about later and, mm -hmm. you know, tell their children about it. Mm -hmm. And they were deprived that scenario. So, obviously, the instant reaction is that you want to punish what took away that, yeah. that thing. But, right. 
moving on from that feeling. And if you get that feeling, I would suggest taking a break <laughs> from, from Dungeons from and Dragons Jamie. just a little bit, like maybe a week or two. Step away from the mirror. Right? <laughs> Because that's what I had to do. I was yeah. really upset about that. And I don't mean angry, but I was, like, sad. Yeah. I was, like, I my feelings were hurt because yeah, you guys just... supposed to be an epic battle. You guys were supposed to actually fight. You did not a single shed of blood right. was dropped. <laughs> the best kind of battle to fight. So, unless you're playing D&D. <laughs> I, I, I would recommend stepping away from that. And then when you come back, start focusing on... Other things, because in those types of situations, you realize the pros of your characters. Mm -hmm. And the pros of my characters were that they were smart. So I had to put up against situations where they had to use their mind over their weapons. Yeah. So when you're looking for a giant epic battle, maybe you're looking for it in the wrong place. Hmm. So... For example, I was looking for it between orcs, fish, folk, and humans. <laughs> when in reality, I should have been focusing on it in a sort of a, a training exercise, or like they had to find their way through a maze or a puzzle or something. Right. Um, and that's fine. Uh, and those types of moments are just as epic, in my personal opinion, yeah. if done right. Right. I agree. So, moving on <laughs> from that wide topic, uh, we mentioned punishment. When I say punishment, I don't mean like you actually beat your players or don't reach over and just bitch slap them right in the face. Or, you know, don't tear up your players' character sheets or kill them on purpose or uh I don't know, break your dice. Like all of that is just ridiculous and extreme. When I say punishment, I more mean reprimanding. For example, if one were to meta game you have to assume as the DM that they probably don't know that they're doing it. Mm -hmm. Um, Because as I said earlier, a lot of people don't know what metagaming is. Which, would you mind giving a brief example of what... Or not example, but explanation of what metagaming is. Okay, so if you're you're metagaming, you are in fact trying to uh, get into the head of the dungeon master as if the dungeon master had anything to do with the dungeon. Mm-hmm. Uh, if uh, you say uh, your characters are in a, in a tavern, somebody comes in and says, uh, uh, there is a fire to the south and uh, it's, uh, you know, it's a couple hours ride, but I would like help for you to put it out. And somebody in the party says, oh, looks like Jeff wants us to go south. Mm-hmm. Um. Well, that's metagaming, and that's bullshit. I don't uh, that I hate that. Um, nothing ticks me off in in uh, in D anD D or or any gaming session uh, quite like that. Or f- another example would be they automatically assume that the role that they got is what they needed. Um, like if it's a DC of fifteen and they roll a twenty or a or they roll a an eighteen. They don't say the number. They just say, okay, so what happens? Or, yeah. okay, so what do I see? Or, okay, what do I get? What did I What did I succeed at this time? Right. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> so, first. Well, I, you succeeded in pissing me right off. <laughs> what I would say first is 
pull them aside and explain what metagaming is because they probably don't know what it is. Pull them aside and punch their head off. If they do know what metagaming is, tell them that they're doing it. Mm-hmm. And hopefully they'll avoid it. If And that's like two warnings right there. Right. If they do it again on purpose because they know it makes you angry, which that is my number one pet peeve <laughs> when it comes to gaming. Just to push your buttons. Then I would deal out punishment in game form. Mm. Be it you remove that character from that campaign, mm. as in like send them off on a mission and do a solo campaign so that you and the player mm. can you know, deal mm. with that issue on your own. Yeah. Um, another example would be to subtract experience points. Yeah. Um, which here at the tavern we experience, we, we experience by points, um, <laughs> is what I was going to say. <laughs> well, that's... Is we reward people with experience points for good role-playing mm-hmm. because it is a talent. <laughs> yeah, it is. It really it's is. It's a it's skill. A, it's a skill, totally. Do you have any other examples? Um, yeah, I have uh, <laughs> 30 years or more. <laughs> I uh, mean, of like punishment. How would um, you deal with a metagamer? Well, there there are some times when uh, someone will metagame and um, I let them get what they're after, but then, you know, directly intervene, which is something I hate doing, and uh, make them regret succeeding. Somehow. That is in the phrase, be careful what you wish for. Right, exactly. Um, there, There's that. Now, now, what I try to do is to, you know, the best way to get through a situation that is unpleasant is to avoid it entirely. And with that, I often, uh, when I start a new gaming group, I explain, you know, first and foremost, these are what, these are the things that, you know, you can do. You can die. Your, <laughs> your character can die. Your character can always, uh, under most circumstances, go back and ask for help. Um, your character can uh, seek advice. Uh, your character can go get healing. Your character can do many things. You're not uh, stuck in the situation you are in unless you are. Right. And then I go over the don'ts, which the very first one is no metagaming. And when that brings up the topic, you know, what is metagaming? And I explain it to them, you know, what is metagaming? And uh, that is like, uh, that's the ultimate uh, diffusal. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then, of course, you know, some people, they don't get it or whatever. or I haven't explained it correctly, more than likely. Uh, And then I, I, I tell them. You know, okay, that, that, you remember when I was talking at the first part of the game? I turned into Bill Cosby there for a minute. Um, remember when I was talking about metagaming? Well, that's what that was. And that's exactly what I'm talking about that you shouldn't ever do. And uh, so don't do that. And, uh, you know, and then if they do it a third time, it's like, eh, I got to deduct some experience points for that because that was metagaming and... You know, your character actually phased out for a moment. And uh, and then, uh, you know, if they continue to do it, then their character phases out and never phases back in because I've kicked them out of the game mm-hmm. or just haven't invited them back. Um, so I think the best way to deal with a metagamer is to have a one-on-one discussion with them about the proper techniques of how to game. Mm-hmm. Um I thought you were going to say a flux water in the mouth. <laughs> it's very easy to say that there's no wrong way to game, but 
<laughs> there is. And I don't like being like that. I don't like, I feel like I'm being closed-minded when I say that. But for beginners to metagame, it's not as big a deal. Um, it's very easy for beginners to do that. And it's very easy to call that a mistake. So beginners make mistakes. Um, however, if it's an experienced gamer and that's just how they game, you mm. might just want to avoid gaming with them entirely. Well, you know, that, that brings up a really good point because, uh, I just had a discussion with, uh, a gamer on, uh, the, I don't know if you saw this discussion, but it was, uh, I think it was one of the, one of the reviews that you did. Right. And, uh, yeah, actually it was, it was, it wasn't a review. It was the, uh, how to roll up a first edition or a third, a 3.5 character. And he, he said, uh, he really had a problem with, uh, the ability that got under your skin. Oh man, did it ever. Um, because it pointed out a lot of things. It, you know, they say the question asks, or it, it tells you more about the person asking than the person answering. Mm-hmm. And when he said, well, why not just give everybody straight 18 to be done with it? And I was like, ho, 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 ho. Uh, and because it pointed out, you know, just how limited this man, this this gamer, and I, I think it was a guy, I'm not really sure, doesn't matter, um, how limited this gamer was in imagination and gaming ability. Did he... I'm trying to recall the conversation. Did he mention it specifically for the role playing aspect of it, or did yeah? He, he said it. He said that that having all 18s, having straight plus fours across the board, abs. And and I and I'm I'm pretty sure I'm quoting. He said it absolutely negates all ability to role play. You didn't see my face just then, but I, <laughs> I made a face for that. Um, Okay, so that means that anybody that's epic level cannot roleplay. Right. Or anybody that has been rolled up at a higher level cannot be roleplayed. Mm-hmm. That doesn't make any... It makes no sense at all. I mean, I can understand it because it means that you don't know which direction this character is going. Um, you don't know if they're a, a strong character or a, a diplomatic character. Mm-hmm. That's going with modern. Okay. Um, that's a good point. That's a good point. I'm just trying to play the devil's advocate. Right. But, and, and he actually mentioned that as well. He or she, I don't even remember. Um, this gamer, we'll call it, we'll, we'll call it this gamer. <laughs> them. <laughs> them. Um, they said... That something very very similar to that, and I pointed out um, we had a campaign uh, a, a while back, uh, and we called it the Numbers Campaign. Probably one of my top ten favorites. It was one of my favorites as well. And the the characters woke up with total amnesia. They didn't know what they could do. They didn't know who they were. Complete amnesia. They they all spoke the same language, and they were they woke up in a laboratory. Uh, some of them were chained. Some of them were trapped in stasis chambers of a sort. It was very futuristic looking, and they had no idea when, where, or who they were, or why they were there. And uh, Lyric's character, uh, 435 or whatever her number I was, don't even they all had wristbands with numbers on them. I think Ian was 601. You were 419. Yes, 419. 419. I can't believe I remember that. That's weird. Um, but uh, no, we should have made four twenty. Just please. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> uh, 
Um, but she uh, woke up, and they said, how are we going to get out of this? And her character walked over to the door and said, I don't know. Oh, wait a minute. That's a Thompson 387A lock. I can do this. And pulled the, the cover off the lock, went bzz, 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 and, and the door just went bzz, and opened. And everybody looked at her, and she's like, how did I do that? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it was really surprising. And their their personalities developed as they went. And they all none of them had a backstory. And every one of them had straight 18s. Every single character's every single uh, ability was an 18. What was really weird about that campaign is the the stats were so like okay, we didn't know we didn't have our character sheets. We had blank character sheets that we filled out as we went so that we would remember the the important things. Like my computer use was really high. Yeah. Um. But otherwise, we just didn't know anything about this character. And even though we had really high stats, it hardly, if at all, came into play. Yeah. Um, which is the case for most games, if you ask me. <laughs> yeah. Because a lot of my games are story-driven and personality-driven. And uh, they don't, like some of my campaigns, we don't even roll dice. Mm-hmm. It just, like, that's where the story's headed. That's where it's going. Everything is happening, you know, person to person. And not, like, there's no combat hardly ever in my campaigns. Not mm-hmm. because I don't like combat, but mm-hmm. because the situations that the characters have found themselves in is non-conflict. So it's all diplomatic or... Mm-hmm. Uh, for like I'm just using Niven as an example because he's the first one that comes to my mind. Um, all well, of he his, is psionic, so... <laughs> all of his <laughs> characters' like story is dealing with learning more magic and learning how to better himself as a magician. And a lot of that is finding the people to teach him. And there is very little conflict in that storyline. Um, so he's maybe like, he fought a few monsters along the way that were just there. Like there are, there's going to be trolls in the swamps and there's, there's going to be, uh, orcs and goblins in the mountains and, he actually has snuck by a lot of the conflict. <laughs> so, um, like, it really just... Fittingly so, yeah. It really depends on how... Like, I feel like the idea that stats define how to roleplay is ludicrous. Yeah. He actually said, at one point in time before I just completely wrote him off <laughs> as, a, as a conversation... Um, he actually said that if he, even if he watched one of his players, because he was obviously the dungeon master, mm-hmm. uh, even if he watched one of his players roll straight eighteens, that he would not allow them to play that character. That is awful, isn't it? That's awful. It's okay, ridiculous. so I understand that the Dwarven Tavern House rules of rolling the four dice three times can be a little bit of a stretch for most gamers. Um, The only reason that that's like that for us is because, A, you're a very generous god, (laughs) and B, uh, a lot of our characters are already battle-hardened and they're vagabonds. They're already traveling and Mm -hmm. looking for these different places. And um, sometimes they're... 
higher than level one. So all of these characters, and it's very possible for a character to have all 18s and still be level one, because there are those types of people out there who are, you know, beautiful and smart and strong and just athletic and wonderful, but they have no worldly experience whatsoever. Absolutely. So it's not impossible for a character like that to exist. And I think it would be more on the DM to make it so that it would be for the player. Yeah. Now, if the player is doing that on purpose and saying, oh, I just have all 18s, then it might be, right, you know, yeah. it might be the player being a jackass. But Right, right. Um, so, digressing a little bit, um, metagaming is both a problem for the player and the DM. Um, you kind of touched on this earlier in that um, when you were playing that round robin campaign, the mm. DM attacked the character for very specific reasons. Um, and I think that that is bad. And a lot of people don't know, on top of not knowing what metagaming is and that mm. a player can do it, a lot of people, even more so, do not know that a DM can do it. Well, yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's from the you know the DM taking the game as a as a uh, as a personal platform to show off their DMing skills. Actually, actually, that's not entirely true because a good DM can do that. He can, a good DM can show off their dungeon mastering skills by making a great game that everybody loves instead of making a game that no one can quote-unquote win, uh, making a game that frustrates the players to the point of quitting gaming. I'm sorry to interrupt, but I feel like that is the main motive of most metagamers. They are so self-absorbed in this player, in this character. Not necessarily they are self-absorbed. I'm just mm-hmm. saying they are so absorbed in what their character is experiencing mm-hmm. that they don't comprehend that this isn't a win game. You can't right. win Dungeons right. & Dragons. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you can if you play it that way. <laughs> but the game itself is designed to be a story. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's a life a fantasy life that you can escape to, and shit happens in right. real life. Right. So shit can happen in fantasy. Yeah, life. that's a that's a thing that that bugs me. I was playing a game with uh, uh, Tavernier Ian or Ian, uh, who uh, he he did something, and uh, a character tried something. One of the players tried something with their character, and their attempt at hurting this this creature. That they didn't know, they didn't know anything about it. And was, was I in this campaign? No, this was uh, this was an, one of the uh, one of the roll twenty games that, that Ian was. Uh, oh, okay, doing. okay. And the he this player did something that he the player thought this was the most brilliant move that would have to just completely obliterate the the monster, and it was without effect. Right. And the player said, "Oh, this is bullshit." Yes, that. Oh, oh welcome, man. welcome to the preteens oh, <laughs> mentality. Yeah, that's bullshit, man. Like that should have totally beheaded him. Okay, I can understand that as just an automatic reaction. Even good gamers have yeah. that type of reaction. But to 
I have a feeling that in that situation, it may have not been the best received. Um, Okay, it could have been like, oh, yeah, this is totally going to kill him. Oh, yeah, this is is awesome. Okay, so I do this spell. And then you were to say, it has no effect. Mm -hmm. Go ahead and say that. It has no effect. I'm sorry. Oh, that's bullshit. Okay, well then I guess. And do you see what I just did there? Right. I immediately started looking for another right. re- uh, resolution. Because, because in the comics and in the movies, uh, they'll open fire on something, and they'll say, "Oh God, our bullets have no effect. Let's let's immediately run away." <laughs> or, or even going before that, they have this ultimate weapon. And it always wins in the movies. And, right. Um, but the, but the the thing with the with the guns having no effect, the char- the the players, the actors, whomever, they say the guns have no effect. Oh God, let's run away, or we got to hide, or we got to do something else. They don't say fuck it, I'm quitting. Right. Right. You exactly. Know? And it, again, that's another big problem with metagamers mm-hmm. is that they immediately, if they don't get immediate gratification uh-huh. when it comes to gaming, yeah. then they don't want anything to do with it. So what if, okay, let's say you have a Vorpal Sword. Okay. And you you come across this, this creature uh, who is larger than average, uh, some sort of obvious non-human thing, possibly, you know, you have no, you have no knowledge of it except that it's humanoid, it is not human, and it's like 12 feet tall. Okay. And you jump up and you cut its head off, and then it bats you across the room. Okay. What's your first thoughts? Uh, How do you react? Well, it's probably a a Hydra situation in that the head is not what controls it, so I would probably stab it in uh, the body. And if that weren't to work, if we, you know, Mm. actually did this campaign as it... Because I'm not about to just start a campaign (laughs) right here. Um, If it doesn't work like that... Uh, it would re- depend on what other things my characters could do. Mm-hmm. For example, am I relying on a Vorpal Sword as a magician? Um, am I relying on a, a Vorpal Sword as a warrior? Uh, and, or am I, you know, just the practice in the arts of the Vorpal Sword as a priest? Like, it really depends on what other things my characters could do. Mm-hmm. And that's the point, is that there are other solutions that I could achieve. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't just automatically run away. I might retreat mm-hmm. and come back after I've gathered my bearings, because you can do that. And that's a thing that a lot of people don't realize that they can do in gaming, is that they can leave and come back. Right, right. But you notice, and I want, I want you guys listening to notice something else that she never said once. Not once did she ever say that she would get pissed off at me. <laughs> no, never. As the dungeon master, because that's what metagamers do. Right. They immediately get pissed off at the dungeon master because, you know, they're, they're, this is bullshit, Oh, you're man. picking you're on fucking me. fucking with me. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. No, I never, like, it never in that situation, your mind. Could, yeah. you were putting my mind in a situation, it's a, gaming is just one giant hypothetical situation. Yeah. And yeah, it's, a, it's a mind experiment. You experiment. have to place yourself in that experiment in order for it to work properly. Mm-hmm. A metagamer cannot do that. Right, right. They can't get their mind into the game. Exactly. And they're, they're constantly antagonizing with, uh, with the, the Dungeon Master or vice versa. Right. They, like, they think the Dungeon Master is picking on them, mm-hmm. that they're playing a really cruel game. 
that they have to win something, uh, and that's not what Dungeons & Dragons is about. Mm. And I think it's also because they can't separate themselves from other games that they've played. Right. Board games, video games, yeah. card games. Uh, the curse of the Momo. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, Dungeons & Dragons as a tabletop game is really... It paved its way with a very unique style of gaming that a lot mm-hmm. of people can't achieve. Right. Um, it's it's deeply philosophical. Yes. Uh, number one. Hypothetical, philosophical. Yeah, yeah just like... Uh, uh, Situation-based. Yeah. We, we played a game uh, many, many years ago, decades ago, in which one of the characters was one of my friends who stepped through a portal into the D&D world. And oh, so cool. we, we rolled him up, rolled up his stats... And as him as a person, what he would equate to as a D&D character, and then he played that. And the very first thing was, when he when we were playing him, uh, he was beset upon by a bunch of bar- bikers from a biker bar down the street from where I lived. Yeah. And he picked up a crowbar. I mean, they attacked him, and he picked up a crowbar and hit one in the head and, and killed him. And he was a wreck for the next week. Because he's like, would I really kill somebody that easily? You know, and it just, it messed with his mind something fierce. And, you know, at that point in time, I'm like, is this too much? I mean, are you, are you seriously? And he's like, oh, no, no, I'm, I'm fine. But he said it just, it just really made me ponder my, myself as a person. You right. know, what kind of person would I be if I suddenly, you know, were transported to a different reality? Would I just become a killer? And I'm like, I don't know. I think you're kind of a dick now. but <laughs> <laughs> See, to me, that's a good gamer. Yeah. When they have moral conflict over what's going... I have three instances. That one that you just mentioned. Mm-hmm. Um, one with me and Lobo and the grease for the wheel. I'm still <laughs> traumatized by that. And then Kelsian, who... This is the one that I'm actually going to talk about. Uh-huh. Um, Kelsian was in a moment of uh, turmoil. Mm-hmm. It was the very beginning of the Saints campaign. Um, we had to either face the kobolds out in the forest that were shooting us with crossbows in places that we couldn't yeah, see. Yeah, that was a moment. Or jump down a well into a place that we didn't know because there was things down in the well um, that a gnome told us before he died. So, um, Ulf Tarkin, Ian's character... Excuse me. Um, he stayed behind to give cover and probably try and kill the kobolds, but he didn't. He failed. Spoiler alert. Um, <laughs> and Kelsian uh, jumped down the well because Ulf Tarkin had it covered. After that campaign, we had fought a little bit more and explored a little bit more, and we ended it at being attacked by a Minotaur skeleton. Um, long story. I won't get into it. <laughs> um... She, Lissa, the the player of this character, had a moral conflict over it because as a paladin, what could you do in that situation? Would you charge ahead to protect the people already down the well? Or would you stay behind to protect the sole cover that is being provided? And she was choked up over this for Absolutely. at least a day. It was it was longer than that. She She was morally torn about that decision right felt like a total coward felt like she totally which copped out the rest of us were like you weren't 
You, you were not kidding. Jumped- <laughs> Off Tarkin chose to stay behind. It wasn't like, yeah, because it wasn't like, oh, that hole is the the hole, the pit of absolute safety. Exactly. <laughs> and, and treasure. Most of the campaign was already down. Yeah. Off Tarkin was okay. Being that being said, that kind of makes me feel like, yeah, I probably should have stayed behind. But Ulf Tarkin had said, "Go, I will hold them off." Mm-hmm. That would, like word for word, um, I I will follow. Just go down, see what's ahead. Mm-hmm. Which that's just Ulf Tarkin just covering the back, right? And that is a very <laughs> that was Ulf Tarkin being a pissed off dwarf. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's a very militaristic. Yeah. style of thinking is that he just he wanted to make sure that all of the flanks were covered. Right. And there's only two in that situation. Yeah. And and he learned, you know, you never never square off against uh, uh, kobold archers in high weeds. Right. <laughs> and that's why he gained the name <laughs> Golf, golf ball, ball because he had a lot of dents in his he, armor. Yeah, he looked like a golf ball. So in those situations, it's very obvious to see a good gamer because a metagamer does not have any moral standing in the situation. They their morality is still within themselves and not in the character because they're not engrossed, which means that they cannot be challenged morality. Their their morality cannot be challenged. I mm. said that backwards. Morally. Morally challenged. Thank you. You're um which <laughs> means that they won't have those moments. They won't mm-hmm. have the moments of being choked up. They won't right. have the conflict that's like within them forever and ever. <laughs> <laughs> um, like the Slaymate incident mm-hmm. with Akathan? Yes. <laughs> I don't want to talk about it. Um, uh, her character had to kill an undead uh, oh. creature called a Slaymate. Actually, he... This that was that moment that I described with uh, Kelsey, and that's my moment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because Akathan was unwavering. Yeah, me, <laughs> I was crying. <laughs> uh, yeah, you were. So what happened was, I said I wasn't going to get into it, and here I go. Um, <laughs> Akathan is my half orc monk, and I love him to death. And he is very resolute. Mm-hmm. Like he knows what he is. He knows what's just, and he knows what's lawful, and he knows what's good. However, he's chaotic neutral, or mm-hmm. he's lawful neutral, mm-hmm. because everything must abide by the laws of nature. Yeah, everything yeah. must abide by the laws of... There's a balance. Yes, the balance, I should say. Not nature, but the balance. Um, which means that sometimes good needs to not happen mm-hmm. in order for it to prevail later, which mm-hmm. is Kel- him saving Kelsian from being killed by ghost. Right. He was going to mm-hmm. sacrifice himself to a thing that wasn't even there. Yeah. So, <laughs> moving on from that, he there was this little girl who had a teddy bear and she was in the middle of a village that was burned to the ground and the other characters were like, oh, we have to help her. Oh, we have to do this. Even my other character, Lobo, was like, oh, it's a little girl. We should probably do something. And Akathan was the only one who was level-headed enough to not be blinded by the facade of the child. Mm-hmm. To understand that this was a bad situation. Even though the, the paladin and the cleric had the feeling of evil around this girl, it was a girl and they couldn't look past that. They're like, oh, well, she's probably just cursed or something. And Akathan's like, yeah, I don't think so. So she summons a demon because <laughs> she's a slaymate. 
And would you describe what a slaymate is? For uh, a slaymate is an undead uh, creature in the form of a child who um, wants people to basically play with her forever and uh, has all kinds of nifty, horrific abilities, including, you know, summoning otherworldly... She summoned a pit bean, didn't she? Something like that, yeah. I think it was, it was a pit bean. Was a, uh, uh, yeah, Lord Badass was... Yeah, it was, it, was, it, was, it was a big deal. So the others caught on like, oh, this is a bad thing. And uh, they fought what she was summoning. And Agathon, after like three or four rounds, decided that, you know, the root of the problem was not the demons, but the girl. Mm. And so he took his sling and he shot a stone into her gullet, into her gut. And ripped out her intestines, and she died. And um, the demon had a 50-50 chance, and I remember you telling me this, mm. had a 50-50 chance that he would either vanish or he would attack with all of his like full force and everything. Mm. And you rolled that he would leave, and we're like, oh, thank God. <laughs> <laughs> so um, after that campaign, I got really heartbroken because it was a child, and Akathan knew that. But he knew that it wasn't right. It wasn't what it's supposed to be. Yeah, that was no longer a child. And that's actually... I actually had to, as the artist, I actually had to draw him confronting the other characters and explaining why he did what he did. And that mm. was the only thing that made me feel better about his choices. Mm. Is because... Okay, that sounds really weird when I say it out loud. Not, not really, not really. Um... I had to separate myself from Akathan, and I forgot it in that moment yeah. that I wasn't the one making those choices. Yeah. And um, a metagamer cannot do that. Cannot do that at all. Has no idea what you're talking about. So, to wrap everything up, because I feel like we've been talking on this forever, <laughs> um, we could talk for even longer, but oh, yeah, we, we won't. Have, we have years worth of stories. <laughs> if you're interested... Please comment below or visit us at www.dwarventavern.net um, or check us out on our YouTube channel, which you could find us at that same name as Dwarven Tavern. Um, but until then, let's have some final words wrapping this crap up. <laughs> um, that was metagaming and talking about that. Um, the moral of the story is if you think that someone is metagaming, or if you yourself think you're metagaming, um, try and talk to the DM about it. You need um, to have a metagaming hotline. Yes, <laughs> yes. If, if you or someone you know is caught metagaming, <laughs> have them call. 1-800-GET-INTO-IT. So, <laughs> that that could be a porn site, so don't... Get into it. <laughs> yeah. um, Wash your hands and go home. My number two rule as Lyric is talk to your DM. Communicate. Make sure that everybody understands what's going on in the game. Um, make sure they understand the characters, the personalities, um, and find that divide is what I would say. And the easiest way to do that is to roll for your character's decisions rather than make them yourself. Um, that's another thing that we do here at the Dwarven Tavern is we make roles for decisions that we're having a hard time with. Yeah. Um, and I would use percentile dice for that. Modify them by saying this character is more likely to do it. So, you know. Yeah. 
I'll give him a plus 10% to do it or plus 20% and roll your percentile dice and let them decide. Exactly. Um, that's actually the there's... biggest moment of definition for Niven's character is he rolled something that was completely against what Josh wanted to do mm-hmm. and Niven did it anyway. Right. Because there's and, and there's times when you yourself would not do something that you would normally do for reasons you can't even explain. Exactly. Um, and then, you know... My 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 advice uh, would be, you know, number one, if your players, if you have a door that you know is not locked or trapped, and they spend like an hour and a half checking for locks and traps, don't hold up a sign across the table and say, just go in. Right. That's metagaming. That's metagaming. Yeah. So, talk to your DM. Feel If you feel like you or the DM or another character is metagaming, talk to them. Um in a very nice way. Make sure that it's not rude, because that's yeah, the worst way to You don't have fight. to hurt their feelings unless it's just fun, or they deserve it. <laughs> well, I mean, that's gray area right there. Right, yes. So, uh, talk to the DM, and if the metagaming pursues, maybe deduct some experience points, mm-hmm. or I don't even know. Just talk to them. And make sure that everybody's aware that that's why you're doing it, you know. Yes. Say, uh, everybody gets 10,000 experience points except for Bill who gets, you know, a buck fifty because right. he's a metagaming prick. Or he did it after I warned him. Because that's another thing is mm. that you have to warn them constantly, not just do it out of the, the gate because a lot of people, again, don't know what it is. They don't know what it is. Yeah. So... That is that. Um, we thank you once again for joining us. And that has been the Table Five Podcast with Lyric and my lovely host, guest is what I meant. Lovely and talented. My name is Jeff Goldman. So thank you for joining us and we will see you next time. Mm-hmm.